0: This honeymoon is going to be in line with what one would expect from honeymoons as they understand them culturally.
1: I don't see how because you can't take a sunset picture if he's a vampire. Watching Movies at the Bar, a podcast about bar movies and movie bars. I'm new to the fold, twi-hard, Bethy Squires, with me as always is Thomas Kravinsky.
0: Hi everybody, also, ooh, it's October!
1: Ooh. <laughs> um, I will intro our guest and then we can get into the scholarship and scholarship of the episode. Please welcome writer and film critic for The Spool, Sarah Gore.
2: Hello. I'm so excited to talk about these movies because I am going to talk about all of them, not just this one. Oh no. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to it's going to go out
1: into different branches for sure.
0: Sorry, we left uh, out an important part of Sarah's introduction. Sarah is those things sure, but she's also my old war pal. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've been through it. We, uh, ran the Deepstone Crypt together, spent about 20 hours in there. Sarah and I play Destiny together. We've killed,
2: we've, we're trying to kill, we, have we killed A Trax or are we trying to kill A It's been too long!
0: We've killed A but we haven't killed Tanix. Is that right? A-trax Is Tanix like the final?
2: The outmoded,
1: uh, music storage <laughs> device. Oh, oh heavens, no. It's A <laughs> T. R a k s like yeah. someone really fucked up spelling Ajax.
2: Yes,
0: yeah. Ajax yes. is is basically a really perverted uh, robot who uh, wants to kill us, but we won't let it happen. We, we get won't. A, we get six six guardians together, and we go in deep. And one day we're gonna we're gonna finish the crypt.
2: One day we will. We truly we. We turn destiny into destiny with the power of our friendship.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. And our clan is called the Diaper Rifle Legion. be back to you. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: speaking of perverts, we're in the middle of lesbian vamptober right now. Uh, and this may seem... this We're talking about Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. And this may seem like an odd choice for lesbian vamptober, but... I think, hopefully by the end of this episode, you will agree that this is firmly in the canon of lesbian vampire movies. It's just all very, uh, bolted down, poorly sublimated lesbian Mm -hmm. leanings. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. To give you some context for Bethy's love for Twilight that she may not give you, uh... Before COVID happened, we were, uh, we were nearing Bethy's birthday. And the thing that Bethy wanted to do for her birthday party was have a few, (laughs) was have a few friends over and watch, I think at least the two Breaking Dawn movies so she could talk us through the fundamentally deranged lore. And that never happened. It still should happen. I will say my experience of watching this movie was lesser because Bethy was not there to guide me through it.
1: So what I really wanted for my birthday was uh, to sit at the front next to the TV. (laughs) And whenever people had a question... Like facing the class. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The teacher screening a movie. Because in in Japanese (laughs) silent cinema, before the invention of sound in Japanese cinema, they didn't have subtitles. They had a guy who just told the story. I would be that for... Twilight, Breaking Dawn Part 2. But anytime people had a question, like, what the fuck, who is that, why is this happening, <laughs> who is that lady at the wedding, I would pause it and then explain for, like, four minutes, and then we'd start the movie again. I projected it would take, I don't know, four hours, maybe. Yeah. But that's what I want.
0: It's so funny that you wanted to do this for free as a gift to us on your birthday, when I feel like a bar could pay you uh <laughs> For drawing mm-hmm. a crowd to talk them through Twilight as they drink, you know, overpriced blood red cocktails.
1: I think you guys are doing emotional labor by letting me yammer about Twilight. <laughs> I currently don't have a therapist. I just talk about Twilight to people who are willing to to let that happen to them.
2: <laughs> Look, that's, that's my experience with the Twilight saga, is my older sister also did not have a therapist. And... As a labor of love to her, I was like, yeah, I'll watch these fucking movies with you, because I'm a good sister, and also I've maybe dragged you to kind of a lot of Harry Potter movies that you didn't really care about. And that's sisterhood.
0: I think those are empirically, like, so much better. But, like, Twilight Absolutely. is, like, so unhinged that, like, it goes toe-to-toe in terms of magnitude, but maybe not quality.
1: Yeah, it's like this- that's also my experience with Twilight, is that I had a friend Sarah Koloje, friend of the podcast, co-host of our like cousin podcast, Bimbo Summit, who read the books and then explained them to me
0: <laughs> at a coffee shop.
1: And I, I will forever remember the day that she explained imprinting. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's just in there now, forever. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, that happened with my sister as well, because she read the books, and she was like, let me tell you what happens. And I had so very many questions <laughs> uh but she got to have Bethy's dream experience more or less uh because it was just us watching the like first couple at her house where she, as i'm just like what <laughs> like, please, like what and she's like okay don't worry i've got this yeah it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to watch the film so i'm sorry thomas that you had to be you had to be solo but you're gonna get that experience now absolutely Bethy and i fill in the gaps <laughs>
0: I had a great time. I'd seen the first two in theaters. I fell asleep seeing the third one in theaters, and that's why I never watched Breaking Dawn. But when I watched Breaking Dawn Part One last night, I was struck by how unhinged, perverted, and like dumb it is on paper while simultaneously being deeply conservative in its values. And Mm -hmm. the idea that those two things coexist makes it just uncanny moment to moment.
1: It's a very fraught piece thematically,
0: emotionally.
1: <laughs> the thing that people have to understand about Twilight is that it was it was very much interpreted by the culture as like a cynical cash grab uh like surface level thing for teen girls, like in the same energy of like an NSYNC or a Backstreet Boys, like a, a manufactured pop phenomenon. And that is not what Twilight is. Twilight
2: is folk art, or perhaps <laughs> outsider art. It's it's a it's a Mormon woman's very deeply detailed um, romance that I think she put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into. Detailed, deeply personal. Half
1: of the characters mm-hmm. are named after her siblings, including ones that fuck each other. I think. There's a Wink. lot. There's a lot. There's a lot there. It is closer to Wesley Willis than it is to Backstreet Boys, is I guess I'm trying to say.
0: <laughs> That's uh, not something I ever thought I'd hear, but I respect it deeply.
1: Rock on Chicago. Rock she, on New York.
0: She whooped Batman's ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was my my experience with Twilight. My my eventually coming to love these films. I like accepted sort of like the dominant narrative about them is like these are bad for women because they have negative anti-feminist messages and that very well may be true. Those could be accurate statements of the text themselves. However, the more you get into it, the more you're like, "Oh, this is too weird and too personal to necessarily have societal implications." <laughs> it's it's so um it's so it's like so it's the same thing we've been talking about uh it's it's nice this is right after thomas one of your favorite movies punch drunk love that we're doing one of my favorite movies breaking dawn part (laughs) two part one and it's kind of the same like pta thought he was doing an adam sandler and that's what came out yeah yeah stephanie meyer thought she was doing a heterosexual love for the ages and this is what came out right (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some p- artists brains don't go like if people could communicate what they actually felt plainly they wouldn't be
2: artists yeah it
1: has to come out wiggly <laughs>
2: I, I think that's a pretty good, uh, fair way to describe it because that's something that I, so like my, my Twilight journey was very similar in the beginning. I thought I was way too cool <laughs> and way too good for these shitty books and these shitty movies and, you know, nerd, 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 blah. And I think it's great that there were so many think pieces about, like, I think it has some truly horrifyingly toxic messages about femininity that are, like, deeply upsetting that only get worse as the series goes on. And so this is kind of, like, the apex of just, like, Bella is an empty void and all that matters are men. And I'm just, like, sad about it. But at the same time, the, like, hand-wringing over what this means for the girls – of America, like, way overblown, mostly because the more you uh, talk to people that actually like the books, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not stupid. I know that that's (laughs) there. And I think that's bad, too. But I like it when they kiss. And I'm like, you know what? Fair.
0: I feel like it's a little bit misogynistic. I know that when people are talking about it, they're talking about like 12 year old girls. But I think it's kind of misogynistic unto itself to be like, women can't You know, watch these things and evaluate them critically. They're just going to take it all in and it's going to destroy their worldview. That said, all of the messages in the Twilight franchise to me are above board.
2: We stand by them. We have no notes. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot about Thomas and a yeah. lot of the weird <laughs> diatribes he's gone on as we're trying to play Destiny together.
0: No, I don't I don't think anything else is better informed my worldview. And, you know, I'm ca- incapable of keeping a critical distance from the books or movies. I find them to be deeply compelling. Uh, they are my Bible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Sarah and I were actually talking about this at a bar. Shout out 4100. We were. That I've realized recently that one reason I like the Twilight movies is the same reason that I like the Disney corporate structure. That's like my other biggest fandom, I would say, <laughs> now. Uh, because I already know they're terrible, so I can't get hurt. Like, nobody is going to be outed as problematic or a predator, and that's not, like, that could happen, but that won't change how I interact with what I already know is a deeply flawed and upsetting piece of material. That is very I can't get wetter. I'm already,
2: like, in the mud.
0: It's not, I'm not
2: gonna get dirtier. (laughs) I... My brain broke for just a second thinking I about this.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to hop in here and say you're hurting my feelings by saying, you know, there's anything weird or retrograde about these books and movies, but I'll uh, abide.
1: About- I'm sorry. Well, yeah. let's get back to talking about the vampire papists. and. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do have an extremely stupid sort of aside that is my fixation with part one. And I mm-hmm. don't know if this is the appropriate moment to share it. Absolutely. Why not? I saw this movie in the theaters at midnight with my sister, where we had way overly spiked the like Coke we had bought to the point where like, you could smell the rum in it from like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> ways away. And, um, I remember getting obsessed with Bella's mom's hair in the wedding sequence mm-hmm. to the point that I invented. This, like, personification of her hair that continued as an inside joke between me and my older sister for years, where it was just any time either of us were, like, hungover or, like, blacked out or had, like, a... I was like, oh, my God, girl, Bella's mom's hair was, like, pouring shots, shots, shots all night last (laughs) night. Like, she could not be stopped. You cannot get this girl to go home. Like, she wants to rage. And then I'm watching the movie, and the first time you see Bella's mother, I was like, I was just being a shithead. Her hair is, like, fine. It's just a a little updo, a pretty little updo. And then we get to the second time you see her, and it truly looks like they have stuck this woman's finger in a fucking light socket, (laughs) and she looks crazy, where I'm like, who did you make mad on set that they let you be on screen looking like this, because she looks like a mess. It looks like the wedding was yesterday, and she slept in the dress, and then rolled out of bed, and I'm just, I'm a, I really can't get over it. That's the only thing I ever look at when she's on screen.
0: Sarah, can I, can I ask, though, because I think the moment you're talking about is one of my favorite moments in the movie. I think the second shot of Bella's mom, she is one in a mound of bloodied corpses of friends and family (laughs) in an absolutely demented nightmare (laughs) i cannot believe this isn't a movie for children bella before her wedding day has this nightmare that the volturi come and there's like this weird low angle shot that pulls out and they are atop all of their dead friends and family it's It's like red wedding shit it's 10 minutes into the movie
2: players of the entire (laughs) franchise
0: So yeah, her mom's why, hair looks fucked do- up. She's in a dog pile.
2: I mean, that's not the scene I was talking about. Obviously, like, why would I even remember such an insignificant moment in the film? I have <laughs> hair to focus on. Are you thinking about the go to sleep, my love? <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I'm sending uh, Thomas two photos. A The normal one is the first one and the crazy one is after. And I just feel like there's a massive difference.
1: The way that that stephanie meyer characterizes for renee is just one of the deeply entrenched misogynies that she never got a chance to unpack but <laughs> one of the things we were talking about at the bar though besides uh, uh never wanting to get hurt again is i have come to believe that stephanie meyer is not is if not just a completely closeted lesbian or like just in denial about it but is like there are queer feelings inside of stephanie meyer that she is not willing to address and they are rife in breaking dawn part one which in theory should be the straightest movie ever made because it is about a wedding a honeymoon and the birth of the firstborn child like that's those are some of the straightest things people can do and yet they do them the gayest fucking way humanly possible
0: It is a movie. It is a movie at war with itself. That conservatism is constantly upended by bizarro stuff.
2: Like trying to make it so horny because now it's allowed to be because they're married, so that's okay, while still being like so upset at the idea of like sex on some level, where I'm just like, what do you what do you want to do you what do you want to talk about really, Stephanie Meyer? Like, do, you can be horny. Do you know that? It's okay. <laughs> and like the
1: the way that pregnancy, this is obviously a monster pregnancy, but the way pregnancy is body horror in the book mm-hmm. and in the movie, that it eats you from the inside, that this is not in the movie, it's just in the book, but when uh, a woman who is about to give birth to a hybrid she, her water doesn't break. She mm-hmm. vomits a fountain of blood. She just that's expels so cool. <laughs> blood from her mouth. And that's how you know that it's time to give birth. The backbreaking was Bill Condon being like, no, we can't have her just vomit blood everywhere. That'd be crazy.
0: It's helpful to hear you tell me what is not typical of a pregnancy uh, <laughs> in this movie. Um but not to get us too in the weeds sarah i just looked at the pictures of bella's mom you're right about the hair
2: i i know i am i i can't i truly can't like this is a woman <laughs> this is a woman who's not okay like she's deeply un- deeply well well this this woman is ready for a wedding she's fine I wouldn't do this hairstyle, but she's okay. But then we get, then this is all. This so something happens
1: between when she is like dabbing at her eyes with a handkerchief at the, before the wedding and the reception where mm-hmm. I don't, maybe she's a werewolf and she phased and came back and had to put her hair, but I'm not sure what's going on exactly. But mm-hmm. why don't we try to summarize what happens in this movie?
0: So, so little happens. <laughs> and yet happens. so much. So little happens, and yet every scene is so information-dense and bananas.
2: Thomas has hit the nail on the head because our friend Andrew has my favorite review of all of the movies, and it's one sentence, and all it says is, (laughs) nothing happens in these movies. And I'm like, honestly? Yeah. Like, every movie can be summarized as a whole bunch of stuff almost happens, but then it doesn't.
0: Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That and that's just that's it.
0: It's nothing and everything, though. It, at his movies are very much
1: on the verge of happening. We're yes. so close to things happening all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an it's an edging experience. I think
1: <laughs> the brink of plot. We are always brought to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, like to start out, it's pretty straightforward at first. You're like, okay. We have the engagement at the end of the last movie. We are now getting ready for the wedding. We spend nearly an hour (laughs) of the two hour and like 10 or 15 minute movie. Just like the wedding's here and now it's the reception. Like that's it. Like there's no conflict yet. It's just hyper-focused on all of the details of a wedding that a teen girl might care about where it's, like, her hair and her dress and her shoes and some flowers and, you know, we skip most of, like, the boring parts and, like, all of that. Um, and then we get to Honeymoon Island and then the next, like, half an hour is just them trying to fuck and they do fuck one time.
1: One time.
2: But then... Poor Edward feels so bad about it that he's like, no, never again. And then it's just Bella being crazy horny.
1: Yeah. And Edward laughing at her. Mm -hmm. But until
2: she eats. You know how you like your husband to do?
1: Well, something I love is when I'm at my most sexually vulnerable to be laughed at. That's fun for me. I love that.
2: Yeah. It makes me feel like really good. Like a queen. Like a goddess. Yeah. Like isn't that like magic mike XXL is all just like, you know, she's like you're a queen and also like look how fucking stupid you are. Ha ha ha. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. To have sex. <laughs>
1: um okay, so so Bella has sex one time mm-hmm. and is impregnated with something
0: mm-hmm. TBD,
1: unclear yes. One. Edward hates it from jump he wants to immediately abort whatever this thing is because he is pretty sure it will kill Bella. And also he just, he thinks that it's more him than her and he thinks that he's trash. So he's like, get me out of her immediately, which is what he also right. said on their wedding night.
2: Yes. Yeah. So,
1: but Bella is immediately, immediately wants to keep this baby. And so she enlists Rosalie, who is the eldest Cullen girl, who we will get into her backstory in a second. But uh, the point is that she loves babies. So she Mm -hmm. is like, I will 100% let you die in order to carry a baby to term. I'm the only person in the entire world who agrees with that life decision, and I will defend (laughs) it to your death.
2: Yeah. I mean, it also works out because up until... You know, I think after this point in the movie, uh, Rosalie is not a fan of Bella, so she's, like, totally fine with her dying. She's yes. like, yeah, whatever. This is
1: a win-win win in Rosalie's eyes. I, yeah, you will die. I will raise your child.
2: You get to have your baby. Like, everybody is happy.
1: Except for Edward, but Rosalie does not consider Edward a person. No. <laughs> um. So her pregnancy is like super fast in i think three weeks she's at (laughs) Mm -hmm. full term Mm -hmm. uh the baby is consuming nutrients faster than she can take them in it's like stealing her bone marrow or something i'm not sure she's getting weaker by the minute
2: until they crack the code and realize that the 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 craving food that she needs is not like you know twinkies and pickles but it is a big old slurpy cup of blood a half vampire um, baby that she has to to suck on down and then with bloodied teeth she goes it's good and
0: (laughs) i love i love big baby i love big blood baby
1: (laughs) we're obsessed with big blood baby uh, meanwhile, there are werewolves.
0: The werewolf shit is my favorite. Yeah, what are, in the what are movie? they even
1: up to? I don't even remember. I mean, Jake is sad, and when he is sad in wolf form, the rest of the pack like absorbs his sad because of the quill, like the werewolf hive mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> Look, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer picked a real ass Native American tribe, the Quileutes, and said. Some of them are vampires. Some of this real tribe of people who live in Forks are my fictional monsters. And they Mm -hmm. uh, will rage out and they imprint on children, babies. Representation matters. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie Myers knows it.
0: I should clarify for the uninitiated. Bethy, you did say vampires. You meant werewolves.
1: I'm so sorry. Yes, the Quileads are, well, they're shapeshifters. Right. Because there's something else that's actually werewolves, but they've been hunted to extinction, but we don't have time for that. So half of this tribe are werewolves. They have a hive consciousness. The head of the werewolves is the alpha, and he can make anybody in the pack submit to him and like do his bidding. He has like mind control powers over the rest of the pack. And since they all share a mind, anything one of them knows, the rest of them know. (laughs) This is important. I'm
2: learning a lot of things about the movie I have seen multiple times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Jake is in love. Jacob is a werewolf who uh, rejected being an alpha because he was too horny for a white girl to, like, attend to tribal duties. Like, this is canon. This is just what happens. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't Mm -hmm. feel like being the alpha of the pack because i'm too horny can't be bothered <laughs> so instead this guy named sam winds up being the alpha but jake is sad that bella is choosing to marry a vampire and become a vampire and thus fucking die rather than be with him and this offends him personally uh as it should bella comes back from her honeymoon she is nine months pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and wants to carry it to term. <laughs> and Jacob uh is so upset by this information that he wolfs out and like runs away shredding his clothes and wolf and, and by wolfing out while still digesting this information, now the pack knows this information.
0: Sorry, I need to say that before he wolfs out. I know we can get into the granular later, but he yeah. like drop kicks a dirt bike. <laughs> uh and in, in one continuous motion after like getting pissed off. Also, I should mention Taylor Lautner is giving like one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a studio movie. Uh, and that's saying something, but he, um, gets mad. He drop kicks a dirt bike and in the same motion <laughs> transforms into a wolf and starts running. And it's like some of the best shit you've seen since Ghost Rider.
1: <laughs> some of the best dirt bike work since, uh, <laughs> that one Disney Channel original movie motocross yeah. thank you
2: yeah i was just gonna say motocross yeah of
1: course i've seen it Come speaking on. of lesbian Vamtober, motocross is part of that canon um
0: <laughs> lesbian cross <cross-tober> next year <laughs> <laughs> um
1: okay so now the the shapeshifters the werewolves know about this freaky half vampire baby and they're like mm-hmm. no this can't happen we're going to have to kill Bella before it can be delivered, because if we have a vampire baby on our hands, it might eat the whole world. Like, they're not sure exactly what would happen, but they hate the idea that anything could happen.
2: I mean, that really tracks with the the plot of the books. They just hate the idea that an event might happen. Yes. And that's awful.
1: Yeah, the the shapeshifters in the book even are like sort of keepers, preservers of human life, maintainers of the status quo. So the idea that something could happen is an abomination to them. Yeah. Nothing is allowed to happen in these movies and books. Right. So they're like, we're gonna go kill Bella now. (laughs) Right the fuck now. (laughs) And Jacob is like, I think the fuck not. And he breaks away from his pack, becomes a lone wolf, and goes to warn the Cullens. And two other werewolves break off also from the pack. So we've got my sweet baby Seth, Seth Clearwater, the runt of the pack, the littlest guy to ever face, played by Boo Boo Stewart, a true king. We love Seth. (laughs) We're obsessed with Seth. Just when, Honestly, when I see him on screen, um, our editor, Colin, can attest to that. I go, oh, Seth! Because he's a small boy that I must protect. And then we have his older sister, Leah, who we will get into. There's a lot to discuss with Leah.
2: There's a lot to discuss with Leah because I feel like the movie does not discuss most of what needs to be discussed and... <laughs> Her presence is very confusing for me, where I'm just like, I feel like I'm supposed to know more about you, but you're, I don't. Yes,
1: yes, (laughs) you're supposed to know so much more about Leah, and there's so much more to know about Leah, and there's things that Leah doesn't even know about Leah that I think Leah will find out when she goes to college, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Wink. Anyway.
0: Sarah, I should just say, Sarah's reading House of Leaves right now, I think, the the Danielewski book. And I think that is Mm -hmm. a a less convoluted text to summarize. Yeah, which is harder to unpack. It's
2: literally sitting
0: right next to me.
1: So that's three werewolves and all the vampires against the rest of the werewolves for who wants to let, let Bella deliver this child to term and who wants to kill her before that can happen.
2: Which is a much more exciting versus than Team Edward versus Team Jacob. It's a ver- team let the demon seed consume Bella and and be born or murder Bella. Either Those way,
1: nobody thinks Bella's making it out of this a lot. Except for <laughs> no. Bella. Bella thinks that she can do it. She thinks that she's strong and plucky and industrious. <laughs> <laughs> so, finally, uh, all the Collins are starving to death because they haven't been able to leave their house for like a couple like a week maybe to feed and bella is about to give birth and so they decide they have to uh figure out some way to let carlisle who is a doctor and the head of like the olympia coven the fact that i know the words olympia coven makes me want to just kill myself but anyway daddy Daddy Carlisle needs to be strong enough to deliver this baby. So they're going to go feed. Mm -hmm. So, like, half of the vampires leave. and, And at that exact moment, Bella's back breaks in half, which is the start of her delivery process.
2: Her back snaps like a little Pacific Northwestern
1: twig. Christian Stewart is rent in twain like you're separating chopsticks before you eat. It is mm-hmm. gnar.
2: Smoothie for Children's got a lot to say. Yeah. It's prepping these kids more than health class. We're going to you know. get
1: into the, the birth, I think. I, I Maybe we could just do it now. The point is, the baby is delivered by... Because the... Okay, look. Okay, let me back up. <laughs> because vampires in the twilight universe uh-huh. are made of stone kind of right the amniotic sac surrounding the half vampire baby is made of stone and human instruments will not cut it so you cannot deliver the baby either has to be delivered vaginally or as they wind up doing edward Chomps through his wife's tum tum and mm-hmm. delivers the baby by yeah. biting through her muscles, uh, uterine line, like all of it to get that baby out.
2: I have to make a-, a comparison here to a movie I just saw this past weekend. Uh, cause I'm realizing it's in completely insane to me. So I just saw, uh, Near Dark, mm-hmm. um, if you are familiar, the the Catherine Bigelow vampire movie from the eighties, and there is a scene, there are a couple. This happens a couple of times where a, a newly minted vampire is uh, too nervous to kill, and so he feeds off of his girlfriend's arm, like he bites her arm to get blood because that's all he can do. And the way that is shot, this a vampire biting an arm. That's nothing. Not compared to some vampire father gnawing apart his wife's (laughs) fucking uterus. In Twilight, I feel like I barely fucking know what's going on in those scenes. I'm like, something gross is happening, but like, whatever. In Near Dark, watching this guy bite this arm was so fucking gross to me. Like, I don't know why, like, some part of how they filmed it or the sound effects or I could, like, barely look at the screen. And yet... I'm just watching for, like, the third or fourth time. Edward go, chomp, chomp, chomp. I've
1: had dinner <laughs> watching this movie, and I've been fine. Like, yeah. you can just hang out. I just,
2: I love that little it's incredible. comparison, juxtaposition I had yeah. this weekend.
1: So, the baby is delivered. Uh, Edward injects Bella with his venom, because in, in the Twilight universe, vampires turn people into vampires by injecting them with venom. Which looks like Silver Silly Putty, but we, not right now. We're not going to talk about that right now. (laughs) And Jake is convinced that Bella has died. And he's very sad about that. And he wants to kill the thing that killed Bella. So he's like, this is sad, but real quick, I'm going to kill this fucking baby. (laughs) That's his plan. (laughs) So he walks into the house, intending to murder this infant. (laughs) Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, and then the sky parts, and the sun comes out, and the music plays. Symphony of romance. And Jacob imprints
1: on the baby.
2: On the baby. <laughs>
1: Which solves everything because. He's
2: like, Damn gil look at that baby
1: the vampires That's for me the vampires can no longer kill the baby or the cullens because a werewolf cannot kill anyone that another vampire sorry another werewolf has imprinted on it is their most inviolate law it's some he says something crazy like that but um and that's it. That's the end of the movie. And then Bella becomes, Bella gets better. She she dies from getting torn apart in half by her husband, but she gets better. And then that's, the next movie will be about that.
2: Yeah, we only know that she's better because we see that little peeper pop open right at the end of the movie. Right at the end. Yeah. And she's got crazy vampire eyes. We're so already,
1: like, half helpful. an hour in, and... <laughs> 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 and I feel like we've barely begun... To to crack the surface of this, we've talked about that Twilight is folk art. We've explained the broadest of contours of the plot. <laughs> Thomas, what what uh, as a as a first time viewer, what struck you the most? About many this things,
0: many <laughs> things, Bethy. Yeah. Uh, I will say the thing that rocks and is a movie that I would like to see as a standalone spin-off is when they flash back to Edward as like a vigilante vampire who's Hell like yeah. mad at Carlisle for trying to like curb his vampire appetite so he's like fine I'm going to go out and suck blood but only the bad guys and so he's like at a movie theater watching like a would-be killer stalk a woman and then he like really milks him in a stairwell that's good i thought the score was unbelievably funny like when (laughs) Edward and Bella are talking in the bedroom at the beginning first of all the blocking of her like crawling around on the bed as he moves around the room is unbelievable but there's this like jaunty score in the background and I don't know why like I know they're jovial because the wedding is coming but there's nothing like gothic about it when the movie should have like some sense of impending doom as there is in like all of the other ones but um yeah, it really hooked me off the bat.
1: Yeah, we should talk about Edward's, like, brief
2: Dexter period is what I think <laughs> it has, That's also what I was going to call it. It's his, his, his Dexter. Because he only Dexter
1: kills killers. Something killer. you have to know about Edward is that he can read people's minds. So he would only kill people who he heard thinking to themselves, I'm going to murder this woman. So he was killing predators right before they predated
2: and also probably some people who were just like really mad about something.
1: Very possibly, it's like I could kill the guy. Oh, it's good enough. And then he ate them. Very possibly, yeah.
2: and he's like, I'm very hungry. It's been it's been a minute. Even
1: even with that, like when right after Edward is like, this is the night before they're supposed to get married. He's like, just so you know, I've killed dozens of people. They were murderers, but I felt like I should say that before you marry me, just just in case it changes your opinion of me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that he was, like, you know, after their, like, super long courtship of, I guess, uh, one year.
1: <laughs> Four months of which he was gone.
2: Yeah, there was still some stuff she didn't know, and I'm like, you know, good, good on you, filling in all of the rest of the gaps, and now she can make a fully informed decision with her 18-year-old brain.
1: Correct, that she'll have forever now, is the plan.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, when you realize that none of the Collins, except for maybe Carlisle and Esme, have fully developed prefrontal cortexes, a lot makes more sense about the plot.
2: Yeah.
1: So this is she he wants to just get this out of the way and then Edward's two like adoptive brothers, Emmett the Himbo and <laughs> Jasper the Confederate soldier
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: claim him for a bachelor party. And their bachelor party is that they are going to hunt mountain lions and bears (laughs) and eat them and I would argue that from a utilitarian ethics standpoint, Edward was living a more ethical life killing murderers right before they were about to do a murder than he is taking out apex predators that are already endangered
2: you know I hadn't thought about that before, also because out of, again, the multiple times I've seen this movie, my brain just can't hear what on earth they're about to go do. (laughs) I watched that scene again today, today, like two hours ago, and I was like, is that what they're doing? They're hunting bears? First I've heard of it.
0: Sarah, when you mention that you you can't hear what they're about to do, I assume it's because you're so distracted by the sound design and the music supervision of this film, which to me are somehow more alarming than anything that's going on on a narrative level. (laughs) People had told me that when Edward and Bella finally consummate their marriage, he, like, breaks the bed. And so I knew this was a part of the movie, But last night I'm watching the movie. I've got it turned up pretty loud. And when he breaks the bed, it's like a fucking comedic sound effect. It's like this (laughs) loud fucking crunching sound. I feel like I'm watching like Top Secret or like Step Brothers or something. (laughs) Like it, it. Go back and watch it and turn it up and you're like, who the fuck made this choice? On top of that, all the needle drops in the movie are like, Wrong and like the needle drops in the first two movies are like fun. It's like mute math and death cab for cutie and all of this stuff. And it's like a little moody, a lot of it is like in a minor key. In this movie, it's all like really upbeat, like corny, indie it's very pop.
1: romance music because this is supposed in theory you should only be getting good romance vibes from the story.
0: But like when Bella's about to like take her clothes off and run down to the beach with edward she's like getting ready to this big like rollicking like dumb rock and roll number and i'm like who who thought this was right for the movie
2: i mean it's just all stephanie Meyer's playlist
1: that's true a lot of the music is drawn from stephanie Meyer's writing playlist thomas i don't know if you knew that
0: she yeah. fell off. It was good in the first <laughs> two movies. I like listen to the New Moon score still. There's a Death Cab song there that's nowhere else. I, she's done it better.
1: I watched the movie with subtitles on and Netflix made the interesting choice to also caption the lyrics to songs. So in the scene <laughs> where where uh, Edward and Bella are actually getting married, you can just read the song that they play. It's like I know it as a song, but I've never, like, listened to the words. But there's something about an American mouth and, like...
0: Yes! I did that, too! And that was the song from the first movie in the gazebo, but, like, the lyrics are so bad.
1: They're so weird. It's, like, about, like, crickets and, like, rotting driftwood and an American mouth and...
0: Uh, Ugh. <laughs> sorry, that's a tangent, but the music in the movie is terrible. Except for Edward's piano theme, that's good.
1: That That's always a hit. That's always gonna go. I just think all
2: of the songs are
0: good. Everything that's not the score, the score
2: is just good because Borderline, absolutely every single fucking song that is played in a Twilight movie is just something I once downloaded off of LimeWire when I was in college. And it was put it on my MP3 player because I did not have an iPod because I'm not fancy. I had a fifty-song MP3 player from Costco, and I liked it that way. You know, I had a
1: big, heavy, non-iPod MP3 player that was like made of metal. It wasn't a Zoom, but it was like in that general area. And it had like a yeah. you could put a bunch on there. It was was it
0: the 50. Dell the Dell DJ with like the rolling wheel?
1: It did not have a wheel. It okay. had like a little nubbin. Sort of like a guitar hero like <laughs> strum function. <laughs> okay. Speaking of nubbins, uh, the sex scene. Let's just talk about it.
2: <laughs> I feel like it should have been longer. Should have been more doing it. I feel like they've been building up this sexy time scene for a movie that's spent goddamn 45 minutes on just the fucking wedding. Like, I see every detail of the wedding, and then they, like, bone for, like, I don't know, two minutes? Oh, wait.
1: I do want to circle back a second. There's one detail we don't see that I I think maybe just because it doesn't happen. Bella does not get a bachelorette party. The boys go kill a mountain lion. Bella doesn't, like, go hang out with, like, Angela and Jessica or something, like, wearing, like, penis crowns anywhere <laughs> i want to see that
2: yeah i would want to see that i do appreciate the um one throwaway joke that anna kendrick gets in the wedding scene where she's like joking do you think bella will be showing and they're like she's not pregnant and then all she answers was like yeah, okay <laughs> who gets married at 18 and i was like thank you for putting this in here yeah. because that is the question half the audience is asking themselves.
0: Yeah, the audience would be asking this if this were, like, characters in a world that we recognize, but I kind of feel like watching Twilight, it's like, everyone in these movies would get married at 18 or 19. Um, Like, everyone falls in love with the first person they see at school when they're 15. I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: I also say in the book, those thoughts are given to Charlie. It's her own father who thinks that Mm. she's pregnant, and that's why this is happening. Poor fucking Charlie.
2: (laughs) Honestly makes more sense that way i mean not that it doesn't make sense for a classmate to also think it but like it makes more sense where he's like maybe okay with it where he's like well if you're pregnant sure i guess get married my child
1: but i will hunt your husband down and kill him with my gun
2: yeah yeah that i bought my dad has said that about boys (laughs) i've dated
1: uh yeah, back back to vampire sex or vampire and human sex. This is this is the point of the movie. Is this is the one where Bella and Edward finally fuck? In many ways, the whole series has been building to this moment, and I'm hearing from you, Sarah, that you feel like it's not long enough by any stretch. I
2: I feel like it's I feel like it's rushed, and we spend so much time on all the much more boring parts, like. I get it's a movie for teens, but you can just show them making out. I feel like I've seen hornier episodes of Pretty Little Liars.
1: I was proud that they did a certain amount of, like, moving. Like, there's, like, a lot more movement than I think I would expect from, like, a PG-13. Like, it's thrusting. There is thrusting.
2: That's fair. That's a fair.
1: I mean, I know that Thomas does not like the sound mixing in it, which... I don't I didn't notice the bed break. I believe you that you can for sure hear it because I feel like you can hear like the feathers drop in the next scene. Like you're like a... <laughs>
0: that yeah. when the bed breaks it sounds like someone dropped a bowling ball from an airplane. <laughs> 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 it just like hit the bed and it exploded. But uh no, yeah, I think I think the sound design makes the movie special. But I, I'm with Sarah. I think the sex scene should be longer. I also think not making it NC-17, you're leaving money on the table. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: you could at least... Here's the thing. Um, We have this, you know, two-minute, extremely tender... I wrote woo in my uh, notes, uh, love-making scene. Like, they're not having sex, they're making love. Right. And yes, he breaks the bed... But, like, every time he's touching her, he's being, like, so delicate. And then the next morning, she's got bruises on her neck and some bruises on her wrist. And that's what makes Edward decide that they will never have sex ever fucking again. Because he has ruined her, destroyed her. She has Mm -hmm. three bruises. This is irreparable harm. just
2: those... From just those gentle touches,
1: I would like to see where the bruises came from because I don't believe the way he was doing it could inflict harm.
0: I like that Edward's response too is like, oh, "Okay, well, we're not going to have sex anymore, but we're going to play chess, Seventh Sea style or Seventh Seal style. And <laughs> that's just uh, going to be our life now."
1: Yeah, and much like in the Seventh Seal, Bella is just waiting to die if it means getting dick down. <laughs> <laughs> You have to respect... Somebody Somebody tweeted somewhere that the entire Twilight series is just person after person begging Bella to not die and her just saying, no, heart emoji. Back.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. I mean, I feel like that scene exactly plays out in almost every single movie, like, verbatim. Like, someone literally says please don't die and she's just like whatever
0: I like that in this one that scene is uh, when Edward is like begging her to stay alive and she's like no I'm fine you'll still have a part of me you'll have our son and he's like no fuck this kid I hate him and she's like no it's not his fault and he's like how could I possibly love something that killed you and she's like dude it's a baby like relax (laughs) man
1: I thought you meant, I thought you were going to talk about the scene where Jacob, it also says, Hey, could you maybe not die? And she's like, I think I can do it. I feel like this is going to go fine. And she's right. It does eventually go fine, but she is right. But in, in that scene in the book, I need to talk about how this scene plays in the book and I need to hear about it. Okay, so I
0: majored in English, so this is important. To yeah, me. this is this is I real reading time. I also majored in English.
1: <laughs> I majored in photography. Moving on. So, Edward asks Jacob outside to discuss matters. In both the movie and the book. And in the movie, he's like, "You guys have a connection I don't understand. Can you try and like use that to emotionally manipulate my wife into staying alive?" And that, and Jacob's like, it won't work, but I'll give it a shot. In the book. Oh, in the book. Edward says, hey, I didn't realize that Bella wanted to be a mom so bad. I didn't. I I think that's the only thing she likes about this baby. Not that it's my baby. I, And not the fact that Bella has many times before said in the book before this, I never want to be a mother. This is something that happened previously. She was like, I never want to get married. I never want to be a mom. Both of these things wind up happening to her later. Whatever. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Anyway, Edward is like, clearly she is horny for motherhood like all women. Can you talk to her and convince her to abort this one and then have sex with you, Jacob, and then have that baby safely?
2: So it's... It's more of a big chill scenario. It's a big
1: old chill. It's a, it's a cuck. It's a, please fuck my wife. Edward is yeah. like, could you just fuck my wife real quick or at least get her to think about it? If that means that we can abort my child. And
0: that's Jacob is uh, transgressive.
1: Like- <laughs> Again, you can't people say this movie is like anti-choice and i i hear what you're saying that it is like against abortion that it is like a weirdly pro-life movie but it's too weird to be good (laughs) propaganda (laughs) there's too many other things happening for it to really be effective messaging towards the pro-life agenda in my opinion it's it's not anti-abortion it's just funny
0: Oh yeah, I agree. I don't actually think it has any meaningful negative political implications. <laughs> I think it's just goofy as all. Hell, but... Or
1: positive. There's no.
0: Yeah, it's just dumb.
1: It doesn't speak to anything outside of it, it, I am all about like political readings of things, but somehow Twilight resists them at every turn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um That's... sorry, can, 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 there's I, I don't know when the best time is gonna be to bring this up but there's a moment in the movie that's so funny to me looking back at what happens because at the wedding jacob comes late and pulls bella aside and he's like hey are you looking forward to your honeymoon and she's like yeah it's gonna be really cool it's gonna be regular we're gonna have a regular honeymoon (laughs) and he's like he's like there is no way that you and edward the vampire can have what you would imagine to be a regular honeymoon and Bella's like we'll see and it's like (laughs) the most egregious stupid (laughs) foreshadowing I've ever seen in a movie like I all night last night I was thinking about how fucking dumb that is (laughs)
1: level two because it is what you're saying they never say like we're gonna fully bone down they never say we will consummate our marriage we will have sexual relations they just keep saying regular or like anyone else's like they're talking around it for the pg-13 rating but it makes it sound like he's mad they're gonna get a nice hotel room or something
0: this honeymoon is going to be in line with what one would expect from honeymoons as they understand them culturally. Like-
1: I don't see how because you can't take a sunset picture if he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: to be, it is not the most regular of honeymoons because uh, she is like not. She isn't not kidnapped because she is taken somewhere. That she doesn't know where it is. She is not allowed to pack her own bag. Alice packs her bag, and packs it exclusively with uh, sexy lingerie. Because in when you think about it, Alice has stolen all of Bella's human underwear. <laughs> when you really, when you really like think about logically, it's like she packed a bag and she put human clothes in there. But then, like I think Bella packs her own bag and then. Because she opens it expecting the items that she thought would be in there. But Alice took out all the panties and put in nicer ones. And then I, in my head, kept the other ones. The old ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, unless she like She's went not to... not wasteful. Maybe she put them back in Bella's dresser.
1: I don't think so. I think she kept them.
2: I don't think she wants Bella to have them at all. No. I think
1: Alice's opinions about what underwear Bella wears forever. Yeah. In the book... She puts on Bella's garters. She reaches under her dress and attaches the garters and like pats her down and like fixes her stocking seams. Stephanie Meyer made a point of writing that into the book.
2: (laughs) And as a person who is currently planning her own sister's bachelorette party as my sister's maid of honor... Uh, she's basically just simply doing a number of things I would rather die than do for my sister.
1: Yes, because you don't want to have sex with your sister, and that's Congratulations
2: to all the bachelorette parties that are perfectly happy to buy lingerie for their friend or relation, depending on the circumstance. No thank you. I don't wish to purchase it for my sister, and I don't wish to wear anything they have purchased for me. Yeah, you
1: don't want to train someone how to walk in, like, sexy
2: heels for three days. Yeah, yeah.
0: But your sister is going to pack her own suitcase for the bachelorette party.
2: Yes. Okay. She is a big girl, and I believe in her, and I think she can do it all on her wow, own.
1: Wow, you don't love your sister, and that's sad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did pick out her wedding shoes, though. That's
1: cute. <laughs> um, I think this is the time to transition into all the gay shit that is packed into this movie, for lack of a better term,
2: I feel like I've never thoroughly sat down with anyone that holds this opinion, and I am ready to be convinced, to be sold, to see the the subtext become rise to the surface. That's what I want. Okay, please,
0: Professor Bethy.
2: Since this is just Bethy's Professor PowerPoint, Bethy, we're ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bethy's PowerPoint. I'm going to try and do it fast because one, we're already an hour in, and two, it's just me talking. Okay. I have in my notes just a section called Lesbian Moments, so let's just do it. Okay, so we've got they're broken up by couple or by person. So we have Bella Alice first. So we already discussed mm-hmm. in the book that Alice puts on Bella's lingerie for her. So there's And then
2: steals all of her and underwear. And then steals all so of her underwear. That's double.
1: The the movies have already basic like the movies and books already have put that Alice is honestly often more obsessed with Bella than Edward is. Just constantly like, we are sisters, I love you, I will give you makeover, let me brush your hair. It's yeah, it's so much. Um, I will read a quote from the book Breaking Dawn. This is uh Jacob's perspective. Basically, in Breaking Dawn, Alice distances herself from Bella because Bella is choosing to die <laughs> and, and deliver this mm-hmm. baby, and um Bella starts hanging out with Rosalie more. And Alice is upset by that because she loves Bella. And the way that Jacob puts it is he says, uh, <laughs> she says she shrugged her pointy little shoulders. Like, basically, they hear Bella scream in, like, a different room of the house. And Jacob's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Alice shrugged her pointy little shoulders. Maybe another break because the baby is breaking her Bella's bones, ribs. Her Bella's uh, She tried to say the words casually, but I could see the flames in the very back of her eyes. Edward and I weren't the only ones who were burning over this. Alice loved Bella, too.
2: Well, that's ju- that's not even subtext. That's just
1: text. I read the that's text. That's just text. That's just text. And it could be like a sister, but she is saying, Jacob is saying, no. Alice loves Bella in the way that me and Edward, two men who are deeply sexually attracted to this woman,
2: love her. Yeah.
0: Sarah majored in English. Sarah majored in English.
2: We have two English I majors did. on the pod. I have read books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then... Bella kind of decouples from Alice and starts hanging out more with Rosalie. And Rosalie, whether it's a just protective urge for the baby that she wants to take after Bella is dead, or whether she actually does start to feel for Bella now that Bella is being more femme and, like, choosing motherhood, unclear. But there's vibes there, too. Mm -hmm. She bathes her. She's the only one who's allowed to see Bella naked after a certain point. Edward isn't allowed in the room when Bella is naked after a certain point. It's, a, it's an intimacy, if not a romantic love, that is deeply there. And then we have Leah fucking Clearwater. Leah Clearwater is the only woman who has ever become a werewolf in the entire history of the Quilead tribe, ever. In the movies, they don't really talk about that. They're just like, oh, that's weird. She's like a woman who's like a, she's a shapeshifter. Huh, weird. (laughs) In the books, Leah phases into a werewolf. And the shock and the shame of it is so great that it kills her father. (laughs) She comes out. And it kills her father. And the shock of her father dying turns Seth, her little brother. So it's like, she's like, Mom, Dad, I'm a werewolf. Dad fucking nopes out of existence. And then Seth turns too because he's stressed out by that. What? Like, and the book, like, loves to punish her because she's doing this masculine thing of being a werewolf. Like, mm-hmm. it's possible she won't be able to have children because phasing, like, you can't change if there's a baby in there, I think. Because then is, is the baby going to turn into a wolf? Like, what's going on there? But, like, she's mad all the time. Uh, She, she wears flannel all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And right, that's the tell. That's the that's tell. That's the tell.
1: And, like, she... So you know. She had been Sam's boyfriend until Sam changed. And then Sam imprinted on this girl, uh, Emily. And that broke up Leah and Sam. And now Leah, as the only female werewolf ever has the hive mind with her ex-boyfriend and gets to hear all of the thoughts of love and affection and horniness for someone else that...
2: (laughs) I already want that book instead. It
1: would be a better book. It's more interesting.
2: It'd be much more interesting, yeah. Also, I got a little distracted because a breeze blew through my house and my dog got very scared of it. She is on high alert right now.
0: Is your dog a shapeshifter?
2: She is, but the only shapes she shifts into are log when she's asleep and scaredy cat, which is uh, every other waking moment of her life. And when
1: she became a log, did it kill her dad?
2: I'm going to say it could have. We
1: don't know. We don't know.
2: I don't know. There's simply no way to know.
1: So I will put it to you that Stephanie Meyer is somebody who thinks the way that you talk about your female friends is that you're constantly describing how they are the most beautiful people you have ever seen in your entire life. Because Bella is constantly just talking about what smoke shows the Cullen women are. And Leah. <laughs> yeah. And the Denali clan. Yeah. She's just like, the books is just like, oh, it's like she's the beautiful hair, auburn skin, thighs for days, blah, 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 it's just body, yadi yaddy. Like, she won't shut up about how hot women are in the books. It's a world where heterosexual love is biologically enforced, that you are born to be with one specific person of the opposite sex. Everyone who matters, i.e., all vampires and werewolves, are fated to have one true love forever. Vampires have mates, werewolves have imprintings, but it's the same deal. This is this compulsory heterosexuality. This compulsory heterosexuality has massive fallout for everyone else ever in everyone else's lives. Like, it this compulsory, like, your one true maintenance ruins the lives of almost every character who has a mate. Like, Bella fucking explodes from the inside. <laughs> Jacob imprints on a baby.
2: Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, my my English major eyes just, uh, there's a sparkle, there's a twinkle, if only the people listening could see it. Because I'm like, yeah, you're selling me. <laughs> like This is correct. Uh, Sam is trapped
1: in a love triangle. Sam attacks the woman that he imprints on and she's mauled. Because that's, again, what Stephanie Myers thinks being in a straight relationship is, is that you are, you are, it's always one woman and one predator. It is a woman-predator relationship. One of the central, like, antagonist-loving relationships is James and Victoria. James is a hunter who used to hunt other vampires for sport. Victoria is a super hider. They chased each other. Like, he chased her. He stalked her for two years decades i can't remember for like a really long time until they fell in love it was like you're really good at not getting killed by me you're really good at almost killing me let's kiss okay that's what she thinks is like a normal love
2: yeah i she set out to write the mormon love of the ages and then she wrote all the reasons (laughs) why the trappings of heterosexuality are a terrible terrifying prism
1: and then there's the grooming of imprinting, because not only do we have mm-hmm. Jacob imprinting on a infant who is 10 minutes old at the point sure. that he decides to kill the baby and then decides, no, wait, I love the baby. Uh We have Quill and his, the girl that he imprinted on, who is three years old, and her name is Claire Young. Let's just put that, her, her last name is Young. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. And Quill is just just her babysitter until she's of age, but everybody understands that they will eventually consummate. Like Jacob says in, in narration, I thought it sucked that he had a good 14 years of monkitude ahead of him until Claire was his age. For Quill, at least, it was a good thing werewolves didn't get older, but even all that time didn't seem to bother him much. And Jacob is like, do you want a date in the meantime? And Quill is like, "Ew, no." And Claire is like, "Ew, no." So, yeah. Uh,
0: if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast, pause it right now. Venmo Bethy your tuition, <laughs> and then continue.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're all getting schooled today. This is huh? three
0: hundred level.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. This is this is vampirism
1: three hundred one. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is not an intro class. This is advanced.
1: So that that is my thesis statement. These movies are about, these movies and books are about being bisexually horny in a world that would punish it. Because again, oh, I didn't even finish because the women who do express any sort of like liberation are deeply, deeply punished for it. So you've got Renee, who is like unfit mother of the year, like, it's mentioned a couple times that she dropped Bella on her head like a bunch, and that's why she's so clumsy now.
2: <laughs> yeah, she broke her little brain.
0: This was really amazing. Do you mind if Sarah and I, as English majors, confer really quickly to decide what we think about this theory? Yes,
1: thank you. I, I have finished my thesis. Thank you for coming. Uh, good day.
0: Sarah, what do we think? I, I personally find this to be uh, deeply thoughtful, uh, born of an incredible amount of research, Um. I'm inclined to say this rocks.
2: I you know, so my my path with Twilight is just evolving before your very eyes, like right in this moment. Where I'm like I went from being like, Oh no, all that matters is how deeply harmful all of these like terrible, terrible ideas are to like, oh It's not that it doesn't have those, it's just that who cares? Like, it's fine, it's too absurd, so it doesn't matter. And now I've come around to the level three of Bethy is definitely correct. (laughs) This is actually very secretly and subtly, not even that subtle if she's reading these passages, (laughs) uh, pretty anti- anti-heterosexual marriage
0: yeah i'm inclined to say that bethy has breathed new life uh into a text that i thought had breathed its last and so uh a a plus
1: a plus this is my dissertation defense <laughs> you guys were my professors <laughs>
2: and we loved it
0: uh, about as warm about as warm as you could expect i think
1: what haven't we covered yet
2: um, the only other, uh, absolutely completely minor thing that doesn't really matter, but just how, um, as a lover of vintage jewelry, um, how fucking fugly her engagement ring <laughs> is. <It's> the ugliest <laughs> <weirdest> ring I've <laughs> seen in my entire life. <laughs> when you have, like, cause if you've never seen jewelry, especially wedding rings from like the 1900s, 1910, they are, exquisite like there's all of this intricate scroll work and like very interesting settings for the gems it's like that's why like a lot of those can be just as expensive if not more expensive than like a brand new ring like they're really beautiful pieces and what Bella gets is a big old fucking oval with a bunch of tiny little fucking dots on it it. i hate it also
0: edward has no excuse do you know how much fucking time he's had to figure this shit out
2: and it's like oh it's a family heirloom i was like well you should have fucking lost it because this ring is ugly as shit yeah
0: dude you've had enough time to find a new fucking family if the ring's that ugly
2: let's not forget carlisle cullen
1: is i think the seventh most rich fictional billionaire like (laughs) Forbes did a list and Carlisle is like number seven because they play the stock market using Alice's future seeing powers
2: cool so they could have gotten who knows what they could have gotten he could have gotten her the fucking hope diamond I don't know it's something better than that shitty oval I'm just mad about it and I'll die mad about it (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, just one other thing I'd like to mention is after Jacob kicks the dirt bike and goes for a nice ah. little run as a wolf, uh, he communes with some other wolves. Is that in a junkyard?
1: I think that's in a lumberyard.
0: Okay, cool. So, not a junkyard, a lumberyard. But there are a bunch of wolves whose mouths don't move, and they're doing some like Zack Snyder, Legend of the Guardians, the owls of Gahul, but in this case, the wolves of Gahul. And. I would watch a whole movie of that.
1: I love the... I'm so glad you brought that up, because I love how when the wolves of Gahul are, like, (laughs) telepath-talking to each other, all of their voices are, like, a little bit deeper than normal. Um, They, like, they pitch it down a little. So they all talk like this. I'm Jacob, grandson of Ephraim. That shit's funny.
2: (laughs) I, uh, I think the thing that, like, popped out the most, because, uh, uh, I don't know if I said this outright, but I did a massive rewatch of all of these movies before I even knew that I was going to be on the show. I was very stressed out. I was moving apartments, and it was the only thing that would soothe me and my tired, tired brain. I was going back and being like, I not only did I fully hate Twilight, I was one of those fucking shitheads who was like, I hate Kristen Stewart. I hate Robert
0: Pattinson. Oh no!
2: I'm an idiot. Uh, and then having, you know, my brain has grown and I'm significantly less stupid, although still, you know, a little stupid. Watching two actors genuinely considered by, you know, far and wide as, like, two of the single greatest like people working today in terms of, like, their craft do this fucking dumbass movie series together is, like, it's just delightful. I'm just so happy for all the projects they're doing now. I love them both so much. I'm glad I'm not as stupid as I was when I was 20.
0: As as an avowed Kristen Stewart head, who's done many hours on another podcast just about her, uh, mm-hmm. I think she's doing some interesting stuff in these movies, and I'm glad that we avoided the most obvious pitfall of Twilight Discourse, which is shitting on her, because that's embarrassing and a trap. But, like, Robert Pattinson... Especially when you put him side by side with Taylor Lautner, Taylor Lautner is like literally a plank of wood. And Robert Pattinson (laughs) is like doing this big considered performance and like it's a little wacky and a lot of times you're like, what the fuck? But like he's constantly like doing this big Edward thing.
2: Yeah. And like the thing I came around to, like having rewatched all of these is that Kristen Stewart is actually incredible in these movies because she's simply playing the character (laughs) as it was fucking written, like all of the weird ticks and stutters and these strange things she's doing. Because she seems awkward in real life. I think people just assumed she wasn't acting. But it's like, no, that's how the book is written. That's like how the script is written. That's how this girl is supposed to be. So she's nailing it. I think people just didn't want to believe that she was trying so hard. It's so
1: funny because like, and then, especially for the last two movies, especially Robert Pattinson would just shit on them every time he had to do press. (laughs) <laughs> like there's a, a video where he's talking about when he had like there's a scene in this movie where he kind of googles the word baby and then is like horrified by the results it's a yahoo image search it's not even googling <laughs> um, <laughs> he bings vampire baby and <laughs> and he's like <laughs> there's a video of him talking to to a press person i mean like yeah we've been around for hundreds of years and this is this is what we're that this is what we have to do is just Google baby and see what, what we find out. But he sells it in the moment. Like he as much as he like hated being in these movies and like shits on them, he doesn't like half ass it by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah,
2: I agree with that. Yeah. Um I think we've all learned a lot today, and I think you could easily argue we've perhaps learned too much today.
0: <laughs> uh- <laughs> We'll let the listeners decide.
2: Uh, we've all learned a lot of, a lot about this movie and a lot about these books that we can't, we're never going to forget. never going to forget.
1: <laughs> no matter how hard we try,
2: we're never going to be special. able to block it out. Yeah. No. Never.
0: I think choosing to do this podcast was kind of like Bella's leap of faith, choosing to marry Edward, knowing that there was potential trials on the other side, but that she would come out stronger than ever before.
1: Yes, yeah, so our, our eyes have now opened and they're bright red because we are newly activated vampires. Yes. Yes. But of discourse. Yes.
0: And we all have three of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Class dismissed. We did it.
1: Uh, Sarah, where can people find you if they want to see your writing online or converse about the texts?
2: I would love to converse. You can find me on Twitter at S-Gorr, G-O-R-R. You can read my work on The Spool. If you go to thespool.net, you can read my most recent piece on the 20th anniversary of The American Astronaut, which is a very, very good, very, very weird 2001 uh, sci-fi space western musical.
0: Very cool. I've never seen that. I don't even know what that is. I've
2: seen part of it. I own it, and I would love to make you guys watch it with me. (laughs) Absolutely love. It would bring me no greater joy.
0: I would love nothing more.
2: You can find more of my clips at mysarahgore.com. And Thomas,
1: what about you? What's your social media situation?
0: I'm on Twitter. You can find me at at handsome underscore pal. If you want to follow the show, you can follow the show on Twitter at pod. Bethy, do you have social media and does the show have an Instagram?
1: Yeah, you can find me at BethyBSQU on Twitter or at Bethy as an Instagram. And if you want to follow the show, you can go to Bar underscore pod on Instagram. And if you enjoyed what you heard today and want to uh, do some direct action based on what you've heard, the Quileute tribe is trying to move... Uh, they are on the edge of that coast, and they're uh, due to climate change, their tribal lands will be underwater soon. So you can go to Quilliet Move to Higher Ground, um, if you Google that, and make a donation.
0: Bethy, I, I'm so glad that you brought that issue up. I think that's really important. Now to make a kind of uh, annoying plug just for us, if you're listening to this podcast, we've been doing this for a while now. Uh, we've done over 20 episodes. Obviously, you're already in the bag if you're making it to the end, but if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that would be wonderful or on Spotify wherever, but also if you could review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. We would love to have more five-star ratings. I learned about this from listening to podcasts with larger followings.
2: <laughs> yeah, they love it. They love for you to do that at the end. It's very important. Yeah,
1: you got to you got to like, you got to rate, you got to subscribe. All of these, mm-hmm. you gotta share, follow, share, engage with our content. Mm-hmm.
0: I think Instagram is going to be really hot this month, right, Bethy?
2: Oh,
1: it's working so well, specifically today.
2: Yeah, social media at by and large has just <laughs> been uh, a plus. No notes. That's right. It all works great and as it's supposed to. Yeah, we're
1: we're trying to talk about different spooky movies um, throughout this month. This most hallowed of eves of months that <laughs> sentence almost made sense
0: no it rocks.
1: anyway goodbye <laughs>
0: bye that's a good sign off this week yeah <laughs> watching movies at the bar is edited by Colin Jenkins with show art by Lindsay Farrell and that theme you hear at the top that's Quentin Mulligan yeah! <laughs>